Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church, and we're so glad that you came to church as we start this amazing series on the Lord's Prayer. I got to tell you, I believe that the next four weeks of our lives are just going to be so transformed by this prayer. When we do series here at Passion Life Church, for me, a series is a season in our church. You know, we just got through storytellers about talking about your story and how that matters and how people need to hear the gospel. And many of you have already said, hey, I had a story. I, I, I had a divine appointment that somebody, God set me up with somebody. But I believe in the next four weeks, if you'll commit to the next four weeks, you're going to see a transformation in your life. And what we're going to do in this series, I know I'm a preacher. I love to preach. I love energy. I love loud. And I may be a little loud today. But this series, what we're going to do, is we're really going to go line by line in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look through it so we can really understand what Jesus was talking about when he said the Lord's Prayer. Could it be that if we really understood how to pray like Jesus said to pray, that we would pray more often? Well, Pastor Phil, the reason why I don't pray, I don't have time. Like we say in Texas, bull. It's not about time because you make time for what is important to you. Some of the reasons why we don't pray is because maybe we, we don't feel the results or see results or we have this blockage that we feel is between us and God. But I've understanding the truths that I'm about to teach to you today has unlocked my prayer life. And I'm believing that it's going to unlock yours and you're going to pray like you've never prayed before. Do you know that prayer is the greatest privilege that we have to be able to talk to God, to share our heart with God? But let's just be honest. When we pray, we have to pray in faith. We have to pray that and believe that God hears us because he hears us, my church family. He's listening to us. And whether you feel something or not or whether you see an immediate result or, or not, doesn't matter. We pray. And let, and, and let me just tell you, God is working behind the scenes to make things happen. And so in the book of Luke, this is how this prayer came about is the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray. So they were observing Jesus and they saw the, his, the magnitude of his prayer life and they said, Jesus, man, we want to pray like you. Teach us how to pray. And I think the disciples, like you and I, we want to know, okay, if I'm going to pray, what is the right way to pray? If Jesus got results and Jesus show us how to to do it. And so what Jesus did is he answered them. And if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. You can turn there or you can look at it on the screen because for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're just going to read it aloud too. Is that all right? That we just say it loud. We just uh, repeat it and confess it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's read it together. It says this, in this manner, therefore pray. Okay, I can't hear you. Let's try it again. All right, here we go. One, two, three, verse nine. In this manner, therefore pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Woo, that's powerful. Maybe some of you growing up learned this prayer. You memorized it in children's church. It's, it's common really to hear this prayer. You can see it even in NFL football game locker rooms. They'll have the Lord's Prayer posted or you'll see a team get down on a knee and they'll recite the Lord's Prayer, and then the coach will say, all right, guys, they recite the Lord's Prayer. They all recite it. Then the coach will say, all right, let's go out and break a leg. You know what I mean? It's just a different. No, they don't say that. But you can hear it at an NFL football game. You can hear it if, at, at, at a council meeting, at a city council meeting. Somebody will stand up, and they'll recite the Lord's Prayers. I've heard the Lord's Prayer said at a funeral. I've heard it said at a baby dedication. But I think, and what I believe is that, it's become so familiar to people that in reality it's lost its power because people don't really know what it means. They just recite it, but yet haven't allowed it to really impact their life. And what we're going to do today is look in the context of what Jesus was talking about. Can I just encourage you that whenever you read the Bible, you never just grab one scripture and take that out of context. We have to look at what was Jesus saying before the Lord's Prayer and what was Jesus saying after the Lord's Prayer. Because if you look in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 is a part of an incredible famous sermon from Jesus called, does anybody know what it's called? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was talking. He was talking to people. And what Jesus was saying to the people in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think this is important, he was talking about daily traits of a believer, daily traits of people who are citizens of the kingdom of God. You're going to hear a lot about that in this next four weeks, the kingdom of God. You're going to hear a lot about citizens of heaven. You're going to hear a lot about all of those things and how that matters to us. So what was Jesus talking about before he went into the Lord's prayer, right? And he was saying, look, here are some traits for our daily lives. Let me just summarize. Leading up to the Lord's prayer, Jesus was saying that he wants us to be humble in spirit, that he wants us to weep and mourn with those that are mourning. He wants us as citizens of heaven to be meek and merciful. How many of you know meek means strength under control? We're strong people, but we're self-controlled people. And he said, you know what? I want you to be meek. And then he talks about his kingdom people. He wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this is what happens. And you know what? All of these traits are what God and Jesus will empower us to. He will empower you to be hunger and, and, and thirst for righteousness. He talked about he wants us to be pure in heart. He talked about he wants us to be peacemakers. And then he says that he wants our righteousness to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And we can't get that righteousness on our own. We have to get it from him. He talked about how he wants us to control our anger. He talks about in the Sermon on the Mount as citizens of heaven that we are to seek 
reconciliation whenever possible. And then he talks about how we're empowered to be salt and light. We are the salt, the light of the earth. And then he talks about also how he wants our yes and no. When we say yes to someone, that it means something. And not yes, but I know I RSVP'd, but I made other plans anyway. That he wants our yes to be trustworthy and our no to be trustworthy. Then he went even deeper and he says, I want you to start loving those that hate you. This is all in the Sermon on the Mount. Pray for those who curse you. Be compassionate to those. And then last, in the middle of this prayer, he begins, we need to have a prayer life. That we need to have a prayer life. I know it's a long list, but what I did for you is I just summarized the chapter and a half for you. Come on, say thank you, Pastor. I did it for you. All that. Real quick. That's what he was talking about. This is the context. Why do I keep saying that? Because in this context of what he's talking about, he wants you to be able to put all of these things into daily life. They're daily traits. Working on your anger. Every day. Daily traits. And so what these traits are not for they're not just for Sunday. Oh, I'm supposed to be merciful on Sunday, right? Came in, right? Five after 10, ran in, grabbed my seat. Hi, brother, how you doing? Get out and then, hey, who cut me off? I mean, just not, it's not just a merciful on Sunday. It's a merciful on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? It's a controlling my anger, not just on Sunday when I come in and grab the bulletin, but it's controlling my anger, especially on Monday. Monday, especially on Monday, 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 Monday. So it's a whole, it's not just a one day, right? It's not a hungering and thirsting for righteousness just when I come to church. It's hungering and thirsty, thirsting for righteousness tomorrow when I wake up and go to work. These are instructions for everyday life. And I say that because when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we take that out and we see like it's a, just a standalone prayer. But in actuality, the whole context of what it's for was just daily living, daily life. So with that understanding, we can look at, okay, what is Jesus saying in the context of the Lord's prayer? It's not just for football games. It's not just for formalized settings. It's not just before we stand before city council. That's the only time we acknowledge God. It's for everyday life. So today, here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at the first line today, and we're going to go through Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And this is what Jesus said. He said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, there's three parts to this. And the translators did a fabulous job of putting these three parts together. Now, what we have to realize is that that's not how <laughs> Jesus wasn't walking with Matthew along the Sea of Galilee and said, okay, Matthew, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Go ahead and jot down. This will be Matthew chapter six. Um, okay, Jesus, what do you, that's not what he was saying. That's not that the translators came hundreds of years afterwards and they actually put the chapters and verses so we could have this discussion, this dialogue. It actually makes my job very easy because we can follow along. You can pinpoint, okay, hey, here it is. But there was none of this. It was Jesus just sharing this sermon and then he goes into the prayer life and he says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
So let's look at this. Let's look at this. The first thing he says, right? Again, daily living, daily impact. What is Jesus saying for our daily understanding? He starts with the word, our. Our Father. Our Father. Let's break it down. What is he saying? Number one, he's saying all of us should have a personal relationship with God. All of us. Our. Our Father. Our Father. Do you know in the Greek, the word our signifies our relationship between God, the Father, and you. Our Father. It's In English, it's a personal pronoun. Notice Jesus did not say this. Pray the Father. Pray a Father. Pray their Father. Pray my Father. Jesus didn't say, hey, pray my Father. He said, pray our Father. This is what he was highlighting. Our, and I love this. And I wrote this down as, as a second point. Jesus was telling us that the Father that was his, he's giving to you. Jesus could have said, you could pray to my father, but this is what he was saying in essence. He's not just my father. I want him to be your father. So what Jesus was doing is he was making his father our father. Jesus, the son of God, deity, is on the earth. And he says, listen, in your daily life, as you walk through, just understand, he's not just Jesus' father. He is our father, my father is your father. I thought you'd get a little more excited. I'm just being honest with you because we all have a heavenly father, our father. It's our father. Notice he didn't say, pray our judge, which art in heaven. Notice he didn't say, pray our great condemner who is up in heaven. Now we don't say those words, but for some of us, those are the barriers of why we don't talk to God. And Jesus could have put any words in that. Right after our, he could have said our great judgment giver. He could have said that, but he didn't. You know what he said? He used the word father, father, father. Now, for some of us, we have to take a step back right here before we go any further. Because that word father for us may be a little bit foreign. And what we have to do is we have to allow God to renew our mind to God's fathering style. Maybe you had a dad that was there, but not there. Maybe he was detached. And I'm not here trying to cast judgment today. All I'm saying is that maybe there was someone in your, in your life, there was a father, and that image for you was not good. Maybe your father wasn't around. Maybe he passed away. Maybe he walked out on your life. However, there's so many scriptures about God being our father. And I put some today in our notes. Listen to this. It says this in Psalms 27 verse 10. It says, although my father and mother have abandoned me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me as his own child. Woo! I love that the Amplified says that. Although my mother and father have abandoned me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says this, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. If you can understand this truth, 
It'll change your life. Pastor Phil, you know, it just feels like I'm banging my head up against the wall. I don't know my purpose. Can I just help you out? We exist for him. Well, you know, it's just because life, I'm just living in. Yeah, I understand you can keep living for yourself. But until you understand this truth, we exist for him. That's why we exist. That's why you're here. Why? I don't know. Because we exist for him. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, and from whom all things and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things are, and listen to this, and we exist through him. So not only we exist for him, we exist through him. For him and through him. That's what life is all about. It's about existing for him and through him. And then I love this one, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, talking about God being our father. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know what's interesting about this scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 15? It says that we did not receive the spirit of fear or bondage again to fear. See, a lot of times in the Old Testament, people were just so afraid of God. And some people here, when we, when we read the scripture about fear, you think we're talking about the fear and being afraid of God. But Jesus qualified the fear of God when he was tempted by the devil. He talked about the fear of God being the worship of God. He talked about having a reverence for God. That is the fear of God. You know, if God wanted us to be distant, he would have never sent his son. But he sent his son, why? So we could worship and we could have a relationship with our father. That word, Abba Father, is an Aramaic word which closely defines, simply means in English, Daddy. He's my father. He's my dad. And again, let me remind you of the context. Jesus is talking about daily living. You wake up in the morning, you wake up and you say, I have a father. I have a father in heaven. He's with me every day when I go to daily living to impact your life and to impact your thinking. Because some of you wake up and all of your thought process is about the people who have left you, how your dad's not here. However, Jesus says when we pray in daily life, we're supposed to get up and say, our father, our father, which art in heaven. My church family, look at me this morning. You are not fatherless. You have a heavenly father who loves you. And this revelation changed my life from a young man who never met his natural father. I've never seen a picture of him, although my mom says he's really handsome. Never seen a picture of him. And then I was adopted, found out I was adopted because I was 14 years old. My dad was on the phone and I overheard him saying, we're gonna sign the papers. And I thought, awesome, we're getting a new puppy. And he was signing the papers to put an adoption and adopt me. And I didn't even know I was adopted. And then the father that I knew went through a divorce with my mom. They split up, had a lot of issues when it came to father. And I thank God. That's one of the reasons why I didn't pray. It's one of the reasons it was very hard for me to connect with God because he is a father. 
And until I could see him as a father, it changed my whole perspective on life, on Christianity. And you know what? Because I saw him as my heavenly father, because I knew I was not fatherless, God the Father helped me restore my relationship with my earthly father. And now we have a great relationship. Just talked to him yesterday. Never met my real father, but my adoptive, the one who adopted me, we have a great, I call him dad now. And God is not going to leave you fatherless. Jesus said, my father is your father. This is good teaching this morning. The word are also means and denotes a family. So Jesus is saying, my father is your father, and it's our father, so you have the same father as I have. So the father I'm talking about is not, you don't have one different heavenly father and I have a a different, we all have the same father. That means that somehow we're connected to each other. There's a brotherhood, there's a family, there's a sisterhood that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we have the same father. So there's a connection. So when you hurt, I hurt. You know what? We claim the same father. Now, how many of you know, and let's just be honest, that in every single family, you got one or two that we just do not claim. How many of you know? They claim us, but we don't really. I mean, how many of you know there are some strange ones in every family? And you may not be laughing because you may be that one. That you, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. It's, you know, Uncle Joe or, and you know what? They are in the family of God too. There are some strange ones, but can I just tell you, God loves them and he is their father too. We are a family because why? It is our father, our father, which are in heaven. I'm so glad that I'm connected to the family of God. I've seen people come to church who are disconnected from a family and get involved in the family of God, and the family of God becomes more of a family to them than their natural family. Come on, somebody. That's the power of our Father. We are a part of a family. And Jesus says this. He says, our Father. So I thought, if I'm going to look up the word our, let's look up the word Father. What does it really mean in the Greek text? Because the Greek was, the Bible was written in the New Testament in Greek and the Old Testament in Hebrew. So what is the Greek word? What was Jesus really saying? You may find this fascinating because I did. The word father in the Greek means this, one who exercises paternal care. I thought that word exercises is interesting because it means that actually God is engaged in our lives. Or at least he wants to be. He's as engaged as you'll allow him to be. But it says, the Greek word is one who exercises paternal care, authority, and affection. See, some of us may have had fathers in our lives, but they just weren't affectionate. They just weren't loving. And I just knew because of my background that when I had a son or a daughter, whatever God would give me, that every day I would hug him and I'd hug him as much as I can. I would kiss him. I'd put him on my lap every single day and just love them. My church family, for me, as a natural father doing that to my son, how much more does God want to be engaged and affectionate to you as your father? And you know what? Today you may have had the greatest father. And if you did, man, Hallelujah. Man, go call him and thank him for what he did. But can I just tell you, there is no human father that can compare to a heavenly father. Let me try it again. There is no humanly father, no matter how good or how it could ever compare to God the Father. He's affectionate. He's engaged. He wants to be a part of our lives. 
can I just really encourage you? Don't ever say, man, God doesn't care. You know, God cares. The Bible says that we're supposed to cast on our cares upon him because he cares. Not just loves us, but cares. The Bible says that every hair on our head is numbered. He actually knows every number of every hair that's on our head. He cares about every detail of our lives. Please don't say God doesn't care. You know what? That's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants to whisper in your ear and say this, who cares? I'm going to tell you who cares. God cares. You know what's crazy about my life is that growing up, I didn't give my life or rededicate my life back to Jesus until I was 19 years old. But as up until 19, my dad was a pastor, and uh, there were times where I just just disavowed my belief in God. And I would just tell myself, nobody cares about me. And you know what was so interesting is I would always hear a voice that would say this, and I knew it was God. And it made me kind of upset after a while because it, it, it debunked my excuse because I would say, nobody cares about me. And I'd hear this voice say, I do. All the time. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Look at what I'm going through. And God would say, I care. And it was like he was saying, here I am, I'm waiting for you. When are you going to allow me to be your father? But I would say, nobody cares. My church family, we can't say that because God cares. He wants to be a part of your life. And here's what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Just like every day, you're working on your anger. Every day, you're working on being merciful. Every day, I'm supposed to have a God the Father mentality. Every day. I need to have this, he loves me. He's affectionate toward me. Do you know the word father in the Greek actually also means author, source. It means this, creator and preserver. And you know, in the Greek, those two words go together, creator and preserver. So he's not only a father that created you, he's a father that's gonna preserve you. He's a father that's gonna preserve you. And maybe some of us even in this room today, or listening to the podcast, you know, maybe you've lost a loved one. Can I just tell you, you've lost them, but God didn't. They're right in his hands. He is a preserver of life. And you know what's interesting is that they're not dead. They are alive. They have just graduated to heaven. And you're going to start to see, because Paul in the New Testament calls us that have made Jesus the Lord of our lives, citizens of heaven. So we are not just citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. That's why the Bible says when you and I die, death has no sting. When I close my eyes for the last time and fulfill my purpose. Why? because I exist for God. When I close my eyes for the last time, I'm going to open them up in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have an amazing beach body in heaven. I don't know why you're laughing. And sometimes I know we mourn because we miss them. But my church family, every time I do funerals and talk to you, I tell them, listen, we're going to see them again. And Bible says in the book of James, life is life of vapor. Before you know it, you're 30, and then you're 40, and then you're 50, and oh my God, I'm almost 50, and then 60 and 70, and you know what? Life is life of vapor, but I got to tell you what, it doesn't end here. We weren't just made for life on earth. We were made for life in eternity, my church family, and so that's our Father, and Jesus says, pray this way, our 
father, affectionate, loving. And because he has authority in my life, he also is affectionate. See, that's the good balance of a father, authority and affection. Whenever that gets out of balance, I know a lot of fathers that are authoritarian, but they don't have any affection. Can I just tell you, rules without relationship always equal rebellion. Let me say that again. Rules without relation. You got to have rules in your house, but you also have to have relationship. Rules without relationship equals rebellion, but authority plus affection equals a well-bound. That's our heavenly father. That's our heavenly father. And so he wants us to have this idea, this truth, our father. And then he says this, which are in heaven, in heaven. When I was reading this, I I, I kind of thought, well, it's kind of interesting because I mean, isn't that like assumed that it's our Father in heaven. I mean, isn't that when you read that, you kind of, yeah, it's, it's, why would Jesus say and start making the correlation about heaven? And I think it's this. He wants us not just to be earthly minded, but to be heavenly minded. And many times in our lives, we can just be earthly minded. You know what has really changed my perspective is I'm not just earthly minded, I'm eternity-minded. This life, great. There's great things I've experienced. I love it. Great. But you know what? I'm not just living for earthly things. We're living for eternity. And Jesus wants to remind us daily living, daily as I'm working on loving my enemies, that I am not. It's not just about this life. There is a next life. And remember, Paul said, again, we are citizens of heaven. So watch this. This is what Jesus is saying. If we are citizens of heaven, God doesn't just see us here. He sees us there. There is correlations in the Bible about heaven and earth. There's scriptures that talk about what I bind on earth will be bound in heaven, that the two are working together. There is a here and there is a there. And Jesus is saying, just as you pray, remember something that you can, because as we get forward, we go forward. What does he say? Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on what? as it is in heaven. That thought, that truth is if you just live an earthly life, then you're never can experience what heaven has for us on earth. And my church family, here's the, here's the revelation that I hope today you walk out of as a person who exists and a person who has a purpose to live for God. What we do on this earth affects what happens in heaven. What we do on earth, what we do, we can pray prayers, the Bible says. And you know, what's interesting is that even this Friday night at our youth ministry, and we prayed this prayer, there are people that are going to be in heaven because what we did on earth, come on somebody, that we can't just be earthly minded, eternity minded. I want to bring as many people as I can to heaven with me. But you know what? I can't just think about the sweet by and by right? The pie in the sky. Can't wait till the rapture comes. No, what are we doing for Jesus on earth that's going to affect heaven? And I want you to know God's purpose is to bring heaven to earth. And you know how he's going to do it? You know how he's going to bring heaven to earth? Through our prayers. Through our prayers. Well, Pastor Phil, I just never really experienced heaven on earth. That's probably because you don't pray. You know why you don't pray? Because you don't see God as your father. 
and you don't say our Father, which art in heaven. So the life you're living here is directly connected to the life you're going to live there. Come on, somebody. And so when you die on earth, it's just that graduation going to the next level. And Jesus is saying, our Father is with you there, but he's also with you here. Because sometimes we can have that perspective, right? Father, he's in the clouds, floating on a cloud, right? With two little baby angels in a diaper, right? Like a Huggies commercial. And that's our father. And as we pray, we're like, hey, there goes the father. The Bible's talking about that father that is in heaven is also the same father that wants to be affectionate to you and be a part of your life today. Is this good this morning? Amen. So the same father that we see there is here. And we're going to start making those truths come together as we move forward. Our Father, which art in heaven, and then we know the next line. What is it? Hallowed be thy name. You know, when I read this, and I've known it for many years until I looked it up this week and just studied it, I always thought that this is what it meant. I always thought that it meant our Father, which art in heaven, we are to praise your name. That's what I thought it meant. But that's not what he's talking about right here in this first line. We're going to talk about that later in week four. But what he's doing is that if I were to look up, and I said, oh, i got to look up this word hallowed. What, what does it mean, hallowed and name? And so to really understand what's stated here, and again, Jesus is talking about daily life. Hallowed be that name. What, what is he talking about? I looked up that word, that phrase, hallowed be thy name. And in the Greek, this is the way that it reads. This is pretty interesting. It reads this way. Your name hallows us. Let me say that again. Your name hallows us. Your name hallows us. And when you look up the word name, this is interesting. All in this first line, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word name in the Greek, listen, is emphatic. In other words, when you say our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be, in the Greek, name is emphatic. The emphasis in the first line is name. Now let me ask you a question. What is the name that Jesus is introducing to us in the Lord's Prayer? Say it loud. Father. Father. Our Father which art in heaven, this is how it would read in the Greek. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name. What is that name? The name is Father. It's the name Father. The emphasis is on the name. The name, the name. My church family, can I just tell you, that was one of the major reasons why the scribes and the Pharisees crucified Jesus. It wasn't because of the miracles. Listen, it was because he claimed that God was his father. That God was his father. You know what that tells me? This is a truth that the devil does not want you to understand. Because once you understand that God is your father and that you are a child of God, it changes everything. So he wants you to doubt that you're a son. He wants you to doubt that you're a daughter. He wants you to doubt and think that you are fatherless. But this is the truth. I believe that Satan fears that you will understand because once you understand that you are a child of God, you understand your identity in Christ. But you know what? The devil couldn't stop you from coming to church this morning. You came. And so this is, this is why Jesus was persecuted. Oh, God's your father? God's your father? And so here's number three. 
His name, Father, hallows us. It hallows us. So let me bring some perspective to this. Because I looked up the name Father, right? The name Father, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Another part of this definition of Father is this, listen. Or actually, the word name, the word name, the name Father. This is what it all, it's all encompassing these words. It expresses all of God's being, all his attributes, all his relations, and all that he is capable of manifesting. All in the name Father. You know, I've grown up in church, I've heard, and I love the teaching on Jehovah Jireh. I love the teaching on God's names. But can I just tell you, at his very core, he is Father. He is Father. Because that encompasses everything that he is. All that he can manifest in your life comes down to one name. And that is the name Father. Father. It's all wrapped up in that name. And Jesus is saying, listen, watch this. When we pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The emphasis where on the name is Father. Now, check this out. Finition of the word hallowed is this. It's to render clean or pure. So this is what Jesus was saying. That when I say our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is what I'm saying. Father, that name purifies me and cleanses me. That name hallows me. See, we could read it. In a way that says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? But it's not his name that needs to be purified. It's us that needs to be purified. And so when we say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, your name hallows us, cleans me. Listen, can I just, daily life. My son has no shame with me. I saw this this weekend. I'm trying to study, pray, and he just busts in the door. Hey, Dad, got to ask you a question. I want you to see. And I'm like, got four Bibles out, and I'm, and I'm like, uh, yeah, son, sure, come on over. And he sits down on my bed, and he's all into Star Wars, and he starts talking to me about all Star Wars stuff. And, you know, and I have no idea what he's talking about. And I just had a thought. What if we were like that with God? The Bible tells me I'm supposed to enter boldly into his presence with no shame. And Jesus is saying that when I pray, all I have to do is say, Father. And his name hallows us. There's such a power in that name that it can cleanse us. Doesn't the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved and what Jesus is saying, every day of your life, daily living, if when you pray, if you say, our Father, which art in heaven, daily life, you understand that it's your Father is the one that purifies you. He's the one that cleanses you. That that's who our Father is. That's the name 
He wants you to know so it can produce an impact in your life, daily life, daily living. You are saying, Father, listen to this, all that you are, one word, Father, all that you are, all that you could ever do, all that you could ever manifest is in that word, Father. Isn't it just like today, those of us have kids? What do your kids say? Dad! That's all they say. Because they know in that one word, here comes help, here comes provision. Come on, here comes daddy's going to do it. Daddy's on his way. Daddy's going to make it happen. My father, don't worry about anything. Dad! That's what God is saying. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, call on his name. Call on his name. His name. His name. There's another definition of this word hallowed, and it means this. It means his name causes me to withdraw from fellowship of the world and from selfishness. And so when I say, Father, Father, hallowed be thy name, your name hallows me. Guess what happens? When I start living in that relationship with my dad, my desires start to change. Because when I'm pure, the desires on the inside of me, I don't desire the same things anymore. Can't hang out with the same people. There's been some times in my son's life, and it just blesses me. He's around with his friends, and uh, he'll just come over and he'll say, Dad, can we go? And I'll say, well, aren't you having fun? He said, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I like spending time with you at home. Let, let, let's go home. And I'm going, what? You got Barney over there. You don't want to go play with Barney? No, Dad. No, I just want to go with you. And, let's just, and I thought, isn't that what happens to us? When we start to call upon the name of the Lord, for some reason, things start to change. We don't want to hang out with people anymore, the same people. We just, because we have a father now. And we have a guy who's taking care of us now. And desires start to change. And we'd rather be with him than we, than we would with these other people. We don't desire to do the things, the same things. Why? Because his name hallows us. And it, we starts, it starts to separate because I have a father. I'm a citizen of a new kingdom now, and he's my dad. And when I call upon his name, when I meditate on him, my worldly desires start to fade. And here's what happens. Your have-tos start to turn into want-tos. I don't have to go to church. I want to go to church because it's God's house. It's my father's house. And we're singing about how he's a good, good father because he's a good father. It engulfs everything that he is. And when you begin to understand that you understand God has more for you than anything else the world can offer and it's just not appealing anymore because you have a father and the last part of that definition is hallowed is that it separates us from the world but it causes us to not be selfish anymore my church family can I just submit to you today you cannot have a living relationship with the heavenly father and be selfish you cannot have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and be selfish. It's not possible. In truth, and we're going to end with this, and I want you to listen to this. In truth, selfishness means you don't have a, a revelation of the Father because it means that you are thinking you have to take care of you. You are your provider. You are alone. You are the one that has to work everything out. But people who understand what a father is say, hey, I can be generous because I have a father who's taking care of me. 
You know what I tell my son? Every time we're going to go play, he's got his special lightsaber or whatever. And he's like, dad, I'm going to take this. And I say, okay, son, if you're going to take this one thing you need to know, you need to share wherever we go. But dad, what happens if I share and they break it? This is what I tell him. I'll buy you another one. Because daddy's got you. It's not about the lightsaber. It's about you sharing. And you know what? If it breaks or another kid takes it, and there's been times we've been playing and a kid will love his toys and he'll look at me and I'll say, yeah, why don't you give it to him? And he knows that if he gives that to him, daddy will always take care of him. That's why we can be generous because I don't have to take care of me. I have a father that has my back. I have a father who will provide for me and is my provider. So I don't have to be selfish. I can be generous. Our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My church family, you have a heavenly father that sees you, cares about you, and wants to take care of you. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 